That is a blessing. Woo, Miss Joanne's excited. <laughs> that keyboard has so much potential. <laughs> Thank you, Miss Brenda. Yes, ma'am. There we go. That's a blessing. That is a blessing. Yes, sir. Mr. Stephen, did you? Hmm. That's a blessing. That's a blessing. Someone else before we start singing? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And that is cool, the way that God orchestrates <clears throat> the church. We can come, come around each other, pray for one another, and um, it makes a difference. God definitely makes a difference. All righty, let's go ahead and do our popcorn selection for tonight. Uh, just out of the hymnal, if anybody has any selection that they would like us to sing, let's go ahead and throw it on out there. Yes, sir, Mr. Doug. 611, that's a familiar number. He hideth my soul. 611. We'll do the first verse and the chorus. See if we can get some percussion behind it. Okay. <laughs> Read the verse with that, Mr. Doug. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Someone else? Yes. 640? Just a few pages to the right. <clears throat> 640. Sweet hour of prayer. We'll do the uh, first verse. And would you like to read the verse? Thank you. All righty, let's sing. Sweet hour of prayer, 
705, it is well with my soul. Would you read the verse for that one? <coughs> Excuse me. Thank you, Miss Sharon. Thank you. First verse of course.
take your Bible and turn to Genesis 32 this evening. How many people have an animal or type of animal or animals that you do not care for? Would you raise your hand? Maybe a couple of them. I, I, I can testify to that. I'm not, please forgive me, I'm not the biggest animal lover. Never really have been. I used to have animals and I've had a few in my day, but uh, could really don't have to have them. Dogs, cats, any of them. But one animal in particular I'm not a fan of. And you say, what is that? Horses. I had a bad experience with a horse one time. No, no joke. It was with my mother's horse. And if you know anything about horses, you know you've got quarter horses, paints, you have thoroughbreds. Well, my mother had an Arabian. Technically, she was a pony. A small little horse who was not really small, but she was small enough to where uh, she was classified as a pony. I think she was like technically 13 hands high or whatever is what they called it, 13, 14, something like that. And it was right before I went in the army, and uh, I told my mother, I said, Mom, I'd like to ride your horse. My mother was big into horses, riding, showing, and all of that. And uh, she said, um, well, you know, this horse is not really for just anybody to ride, because this horse was very high-spirited, high-strung, and it's a, not just tempered like a, a quarter horse or something like that. And my mother, no joke, is probably about 5'5", five, five, 115 pounds on a heavy day. And um, she's a small lady. And the reason why I say that is because I look at my mom and this horse, and I'm thinking, Mom, you can do this. I can do that. And uh, sure enough, I talked my mother into it. And she put me on her little horse. Uh, was going to put me on a saddle with um, an English saddle with no uh, horn on it or anything. No, she was going to put me on one, yeah, with no horn. And I told my mom, I need something to hold on to, even though that's not for holding on to. She put me on a western saddle then. And I say all of that because that was only for decorations and looks, apparently, according to my mom. Well, she put me on this horse, and I'm 17 years old, about to go in the army, and I just feel like I can do this. And my mom's got the little lead, and she's holding the horse, and I feel like a little child. And I say to my mother, Mom, let the horse run. Let, just unclip the horse and let me, let me handle it. And uh, sure enough, my mother did exactly that. She let go of that. And I'm not, I'm not joking when I say this. As soon as she unclipped, Pegasus was her name. As soon as she let her go, she came out the gate, and I mean blistered as hard as she could run. And I dropped the reins, and I grabbed the horse by the neck, and I'm holding on, and I'm yelling for my mom to, to save me, help me. And I, I, I look like a frightened little girl on this horse. And I'm holding on with dear life saying, Mama! And I mean screaming as loud as I could. And you know what's interesting is, I'm alive, nothing broken, nothing bad. And I made it. And uh, I eventually jumped off the horse before the horse knocked me off. But there was something interesting about that horse. Pegasus did not recognize me as her master. I didn't, I didn't portray to her that I knew what I was doing. I didn't portray to her that I was in control. I didn't portray to her that I'm the one that you listen to. And so often, the reason why I say that, we come to a text where a man had to learn that lesson. He played the bucking horse where he didn't want to listen. And I believe in our lives so often what we do is, is we don't recognize Christ as our Lord. Now I'm not saying we're not saved. What I am saying though is, is we don't recognize Him as our master. And so often, we have a high spirit about us. We have a bucking spirit. A spirit 
that does not want to submit to Him and His leadership, His mastership, His lordship, if you will. And what we choose to do is to kick back and to fight back and want to run the show and we want to be in control. We don't want the bridle in our mouth. We don't want someone else grabbing the reins. We want the reins and we want to do what we want to do, do we not? And so often we need to learn the lesson of what it is to be broken. And when I say the horse as an illustration, I use that because it's not a brokenness like uh, we think of necessarily breaking a fragile or a object or anything like that, but it's being broken as a horse is broken. And so what we need to understand is, is we come to a passage of Scripture where a man by the name of Jacob is going to be broken so he can be blessed. And so what we find is Jacob is going to literally learn a lesson of who his master truly is. Is it him or is it Christ? Is he the master or is Christ his master? And, and I want to say this, we can allow God to break us the easy way or he can break us the hard way. I mean, we can let God's man preach to us and teach us according to the Scriptures, and we let the Scriptures break us as the Holy Spirit of God works on our hearts, or we can find Jacob went through it the hard way. And I believe this, I, in my life, there's times that I haven't let God break me the easy way, and He's had to break me the hard way. And I, I want God to work on my heart and work in my life, but I'd much rather go easy in the easy way in the hard way, because what we find with Jacob in this point in his life is not an easy way, but it was for his good and God's glory. Amen? And what we find is Jacob at this point in his life is at the end of his road, so to speak. Jacob's lived in his uh, own rebellious way. He was a man that was a deceiver, a trickster, a supplanter. He literally got one over on his brother when his brother was hungry. And he said, I tell you what, you want something to eat, I want what you've got. And it's your birthright and your blessing. You give it to me, I'll feed you some pintos and cornbread if you think of it like that. Beans and bread. And sure enough, they made the exchange. He took him at a weak point. He got what he wanted. And what we find is, even later on in life, this man Jacob, the supplanter, the deceiver, went to his own father and tricked his own father with his mother's help. And played it like he was Esau, lying to his father, blasphemed the living God, saying, God hath blessed me with this meat. And he did that before his own father. You find that he's done that, and then he goes off into the far land in which he works and labors for his own wives and his own cattle and all that he has, and God blesses him uh, monetarily and physically. And 20 years he has lived out in this distant land serving, uh, working for his uncle Laban. And what we find is interesting about this man is the last word 20 years he heard from his own brother Esau, his own brother told him he would kill him next time he saw him. Because he was so angry and so mad because his brother got one over and got the blessing from their father. He tricked not only him, but he tricked his father. And so what we find is Esau pronounced death row upon his brother. You're going to die. And uh, I think about if I had a death sentence for my brother, I would say bring it on because I wouldn't be afraid of him. But no, this... <laughs> I can just imagine he does not want to face this conflict. He does not want this to take place because he believes his life, his family, all that he has is in danger. And he's at the end of his road and he has to learn a lesson that there is a master in control because God told him 
to go back into the land in which he came from. God is sending him back and God's going to do a work in this man's life. And I believe this, if we'll learn this lesson of allowing God to break us, we'll see a true blessing that comes from it. We'll see some amazing things that happen as we go into this new year. So let's take and have all of this in our mind as we think and begin reading in verse number 24. Notice what the Bible says, Genesis chapter 32, verse number 24. The Bible says, And Jacob was left alone, and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh, and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. Let me just go ahead and say, this is literally Christ wrestling with Jacob. It's not prayer. It's not him agonizing in prayer on his knees before God. It's literally God coming to him in a pre-incarnate fleshly body wrestling with Jacob. Because what he had to learn was he was not the master. He was not to be in control. He was living a rebellious life, living in the power of his fleshly might and his fleshly being. And literally he gets wrestled to the ground, so to speak. Verse 26, and he said, let me go for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. And he said unto him, what is thy name? And he said, Jacob, deceiver, supplanter, trickster. And he said, thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men and hast prevailed. And Jacob asked him and said, tell me, I pray thee thy name. And he said, wherefore is it that thou dost ask after my name? And he blessed him there. And Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. And as he passed over Penuel, the sun rose upon him, and he halted upon his thigh. Therefore the children of Israel eat not of the sinew which shrank, which is upon the hollow of the thigh, unto this day, because he touched the hollow of Jacob's thigh, and the sinew that shrank. I want to preach on this thought, blessed but broken first. Blessed but broken first. See, God wants to bless us, but He has to break us first. And it easily is this. He'll break us the easy way, or He'll break us the hard way. We can listen to when God teaches and speaks to us through preaching. And I'm not trying to preach and propagate fear before you today. I'm just saying there's beautiful things even in this right here. And I'll show you what I'm talking about. So let's pray and ask the Lord to be with us. Father, as we come to You, Lord, we thank You for Your goodness. We thank You for Your many blessings. We ask You, Lord, to empty me of myself and to please work in our hearts and our lives. And Father, we need You to work in our service today. May it be honoring unto You. And I pray that You fill me with Your Spirit. And Father, I love You. I praise You and thank You for I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like you to notice, first of all, number one, the fierce struggle that we see in verse 24. Notice what it says. And there Jacob was left alone, and a man is wrestling with Jacob. Notice verse number 24. And Jacob was left alone, and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. See, I want us to think of it like this. Jacob represents your flesh. He, he represents the, the fleshly, rebellious man, the nature in which God does not take any pleasure in, and that's our Adamic nature. See, our Adamic nature comes from Adam. It's a sinful nature that is rebellious to a holy God. We have in our own selves the ability to want to rebel against God, to go against the grain and not give in to God and His will. Do we not? How many of you have really wanted to just give in, submit to God at times and say, you know what, God's Word says this, 
And we want to fight against it, do we not? Now, we may not feel that way all the time. We may, may not believe that way all the time. But I'll tell you this, in my own life, my own personal life, there have been times when I have not wanted to submit to the Word of God. I have not wanted to submit to what God would have for me as a believer. And what I'm doing, I'm fighting against what God wants. I'm fighting against my Master and what He desires for me. Because as I understand it, I'm saved and bought with a price. Therefore, I don't belong to myself and I'm not my own I belong to him yet I live life as though I'm the one riding I'm the one in control I'm the one guiding and steering in reality God doesn't have co-pilots he should be the pilot amen and so what we find is as it says and Jacob was left alone and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day you know what I find about this Jacob's in a moment of desperation he is literally desperate not knowing what is going to happen not knowing what's going to take place and I can imagine his wheels are turning he's wondering Lord as I go into this place Esau is going to kill me he told me he's going to kill me and you're allowing me to go into this land to possibly die have you ever thought sometimes God just wants to kill you? He wants what's worse for you in reality. Maybe we don't say that or think that, but I tell you what, I wonder what was going through his mind as he's thinking Esau's wanting him dead. Esau, last he saw him, does not want him to be alive. And so I can think the desperation is all overwhelming in his heart and his mind. And it says that he's not only, I believe, desperate and distressed. You say, where do you get that even? Because as he's praying, you find in the latter verses before that, that it says that he is greatly distressed. And he actually does something that you don't see many times, but he prays. He lifts his prayer up to God and he prays unto the Lord. And he wants God to help him and deliver him and to work in his heart and his life and his family. And what I find is interesting is that this moment, Jacob is not only distressed and and he's only uh, not only distressed, but he's also desolate. He's all by himself. Jacob was left there alone. See, Jacob li uh, sent his family ahead of him. He sent them ahead. And I, I, I'm sorry, but I just don't see Jacob as much of a man in this point in life. He's got. Just think about this, okay? His brother is on that side of the river, okay? Let's just think of it like this. His brother's over there. He knows his brother wants him dead. And what does Jacob do? Jacob takes his family and he says, Honey, I want you to take the children, the cattle, and everybody and go over there. Now that's kind of interesting to think about it because is he wanting his wife and his family and all of them to fight for him? I mean, you would think the man, the husband, would lead from the front. He would be the tip of the spear, so to speak, and not send his wife and children and cattle and all that he has off into the battle in front of him because all he knows is his family and him are going to be killed. And what's funny is, is he puts them first. And he's left by himself right here alone. And see, I want to say this. When God works, He works on a personal basis. You and Him. It's not a matter of me and my wife and God, though it is, but I believe this, when God wants to work, He works with me in my heart. He works in my life. And the same is said in my wife's life. God works in her life. He works with her and deals with her and the same with me. And what I find about this time of His desolation, God is at work even in this man's life as He is on His own right here. And I just think about Jacob, you're a sad excuse of a man. <laughs> 
And what I find is, is this man is fighting against God because it says, and there a man is wrestling with Jacob. Because notice verse number 24, it says, there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. You know what I find is about this? Jacob is a determined man not to give up. I can imagine as Jacob's by himself over here and all of a sudden something grabs him. I can imagine this man it has fear just grip his heart, imagining possibly it's Esau that's got me. Esau's gripped me. He's going to kill me. And he doesn't know possibly who it is. But in reality, we find Jacob says, I've seen God face to face, and now my life is preserved. So we know that it is not Esau that is wrestling with Jacob. It's Christ Himself that's wrestling with Jacob. And this man, Jacob, is determined not to give in. Your flesh, by the way, is determined not to give up and not to give in to God's will, His Word. You and your flesh says, I don't want what God wants. It's a good indication to know if your flesh is at work against God because your flesh says, whatever God's Word teaches, whatever He wants, I don't want. The flesh doesn't say pray. The flesh doesn't say go to church. The flesh doesn't say to be a wet witness. The flesh does not say to do anything that is in the Word of God. The flesh says to do all of that on the opposite. In fact, to neglect it, to do all of the things that you want to do. It's all about what you want. It's how you want to live. That's the flesh. And your flesh is determined to get what it wants, is it not? Your flesh is determined to lead you astray. Your flesh is determined to not submit. And I think about in this fight right here, he met his match. He met his match this day. See, he got one over on his brother. He got one over on his father. He got one even over on his uncle. But let me tell you something. When he came face to face with God, God said, you've met your match. And it's time for you to understand that you're not the master. You're not the one that's in control. And so what we find is, is Jacob at this point realizes that he is determined. But let me tell you on the flip side, the Lord is just as much determined as anybody else. And even this, He's way more determined than we can ever be. Our flesh will never give up. But let me tell you this, God will work in our hearts and our lives until it's time for us to come home. Amen? And what I find is right here in verse 24, it says that he wrestled with Jacob until the breaking of the day. That word wrestled means to literally wrestle somebody to the dust, to take and wrestle them agonizingly to the dirt, to not give up, not give in. See, Jacob is fighting against God, and the Lord says enough is enough. So we see, number one, the fierce struggle but number two i want you to notice this the forced submission this is why i said this is the hard way <laughs> this is not the easy way this is the hard way and what i find is is as jacob is wrestling with the lord notice verse 25 what it says verse 25 says this and when he saw that he prevailed not against him this is the lord speaking of jacob he touched the hollow of his thigh and the hollow of jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him I want you to notice about this forced submission, the, the place that God touches is very unique. In fact, I, I, I read it and I wonder, Lord, why did you touch the hollow of his thigh? You know, he could have taken a, a rib and, and knocked his wind out. He could have taken his knees out. He could have taken and hit him right here in the arm and dislocated an arm. Yet it specifically says that the Lord touched the hollow of Jacob's thigh and the hollow of his thigh was out of joint. 
I mean, what, what's so significant about the place that he touches? The place is that Jacob's thigh, the hollow of his thigh was very unique. It was something even today that's unique for the human body. In fact, just think of it like this. Your body, the strongest muscle or one of them in your body, believe it or not, is that place that God touched. It's right around here. It's got more muscle and power in it than most places in your body probably combined, put together, say, your arms, even your calves and all of that. And see, the significance is that the Lord placed His hand where it needed to be. You say, what are you talking about? I'm saying this, Jacob has lived life as a rebellious figure, a rebel in his own strength going his way, and God says, Jacob, it's enough that you learn not to lean on your own strength, and so God literally takes and touches the hollow of His thigh. Just to give you an idea. Imagine for a moment that your thigh was literally ripped out of joint. I mean, you try and walk and you can't walk. Your strength is right here. It holds your body up. It helps you to move forward. And not only is Jacob not needing... Just, he's not walking. He's literally wrestling at this point. He's fighting. He's, he's trying to hang on for dear life. And the Lord touches the hollow of Jacob's thigh. And I want you to notice something about it. See, we've seen the place that God touched was his thigh. And, and, and let me say this. Number two, the purpose was this right here. It was to take Jacob and not to hurt him, it was to help him. I mean, very simply, that's what it was. You say, that's very mean, that's very wrong. That's, that's hurtful that God would hurt him and literally cripple him. That He would take that thigh and He would literally sever it out of joint and He would take it and keep this man to where he would have to live life forever like that. A crippled in that sense. Now, if you look at it on a human perspective, that seems very mean, does it not? But let me say this. So often in our lives, you know what our strength is? It could be a wallet, a.k.a. Your, your bank account. It could be your intellect. It could be your health. And that is something that you lean on in such a way to where it becomes your God, it becomes your guide, it becomes your everything, and your faith is in that object, it's in that thing, it's in that that you hold, uh, that you hold so dear to you and it holds you up. And let me say this, God can take your money and He can evaporate it to nothing. He can take your health and evaporate it to nothing. He can take your intellect and cause you to be like Nebuchadnezzar and lose your mind. And those things that we call, uh, we hold dear in our hearts and we allow to hold us up, God says you need to not realize that that's not your master. That's not the thing you need to lean on. We need to lean on Him and not our own flesh. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not, what? Under thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct thy path. And you know what we find right here? It says, and when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh, and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. So we've seen the place that God touched was Jacob's thigh. Literally touched his thigh and ripped it out of joint. And just think about it like this. Jacob wasn't able to go to a hospital and get his, his hip put back in place and surgery done on him. He had to live that way every single day after this. Very key later on we'll find... So we see the place that God touched for the purpose of taking Jacob and putting him in a moment of weakness. And what I love is after that, it's, it's a beautiful verse actually, but it says unto him, verse number 26, notice what the Bible says, And he said, Let me go, for the day breaketh. 
And he said, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. Now, some people believe that this is God speaking to Jacob, that he wants the blessing from him. But I believe very simply as I went through and even looked at this word blessed, it just means that it can give a couple ideas. But I believe just in the context that the Lord is talking uh, to Jacob and he's saying, excuse me, Jacob's talking to the Lord and he's saying, let me go for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. See, Jacob at this point, excuse me, he wanted the blessing. He's saying to the Lord, let me go for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. You know, Jacob, excuse me, Jacob has a hold of the Lord and the Lord is saying, let me go. And he's saying, let, I want a blessing from you. And this idea people have uh, said about this is that Jacob is demanding a blessing. Now, let me just put it in this thinking right here. Let's just imagine for a moment that Jacob is wrestling, is he not? I can imagine uh, my family, we were big, uh, even when they were in high school and when I was little, uh, submission wrestling and wrestling, we, we used to enjoy it. And one thing I will remember is as you're wrestling, what, what, whatever kind it is, if it's freestyle, folk style, if it's jiu-jitsu, whatever, your strength, as I've said, is right here. And as you're wrestling, you rely upon your ability to maneuver. You rely upon your ability to, to handle a situation because your strength to hold yourself up. And as I think about it, Jacob and the Lord are wrestling face to face. And I just imagine Jacob has literally wrestled all through the night. And eventually God takes his strength and rips it from him by taking his joint and dislocating it from his body. And at this point, he's holding on. And I believe he's holding on to a point. He's saying, Lord, I can't let you go. It's not that he's saying, Lord, I've got the best of you. He's saying, Lord, you've got the best of me. And how can I let go of you when I can't hold my own self up now? You see how things have changed, how his heart has worked on, how God has took his, uh, taken his body and literally molded his body and put him in a crippled state to where he has to learn to lean not on his own strength, his own ability, but lean on the Lord. And what we find is at this point, he realized he needs this blessing from the one that can bless him. Not his father, but the Lord. And I just think about it as he's wrestling with him, he's holding on and he's saying, Lord, I need your blessing on my life. How can I face Esau now? I have no strength. How can I stand on my own? I have no strength. How can I do it without your blessing? And I believe this, we get to this point within our heart. And so often our flesh comes in the way because those things hold us up and God has to take those out of the way to put us in a moment of weakness to show us, you know something, your strength is not in you, but it's in me. And so, we see number one, the fierce struggle, which led to number two, the forced submission. And uh, I want to say this, the shepherds in that day would take their sheep and they had two objects that they would use. They would use the hook and they would use uh, the, the, the rod, or the staff and the rod. Remember the psalmist said, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. So what we find is, is the rod was used to defend. The hook or the shepherd's uh, uh, staff was used to, to lure them back in. It could be put around a, a wayward sheep's neck as it was uh, wanting to wander off the path because sheep, to be honest, are just dumb animals. I, and that's not because I hate animals. I just They're just not that uh, smart. 
as that shepherd would put that staff around that little sheep's neck, it would bring it back into the fold. And in fact, for the little baby sheep, as they would want to, as it would want to wander off, it could be placed around its body to bring it back in the fold. Well, in some cases, some sheep would wander off the path and wander off the path and wander off the path, and eventually it wasn't sinking in as the shepherd would correct it and keep correcting it and keep correcting it. And it wasn't sinking into its little mind that it needs to come back and stay in the fold under the shepherd's care. Well, in some cases, the shepherd would pick the sheep up, hold the sheep nice and tight, and stretch out its leg. And it would take the other instrument, not the, the staff, but it would take the rod, which was used in a way to defend, but it was also used in a way as well to correct. And it would stretch that leg out, it would take that rod, and it would snap that leg with that rod. And it would be painful for that little animal. It would be hurting. It would be screaming and squalling. And that shepherd would take that leg. It would mend it. And it would place the sheep upon its shoulder or in its bosom. And it would carry it everywhere. It would show it that it would tend to it and feed it and provide for it, protect it, and all of that. And that sheep would learn the greatest lesson that this shepherd loved me, would protect me, will provide for me, and wants me to stay right here with it. And you know something? We need to realize that's what Jacob was learning, that God was taking a wayward sheep and bringing him back here and showing him that he will provide for him, he will protect him, he will love him, but he had to learn this lesson of the Master, that he was not the Master, that he had a Master and his name was Jesus. Amen? And so what I find is, is the, for, uh, the fear struggle, the forced submission, which leads to last of all this right here. Going into 2021, we need, number three, a fresh start, do we not? A fresh start. And so what I find is, is the amazing thing is, is the Lord took this man, Jacob, deceiver, supplanter. See, their names meant something. Their names represented their character. It represented who they are. It represented what expectation was to arise from this person. And Jacob was a man who was living up to his name, a deceiver, a no good, a person that was just a sinner. And so this fresh start, the amazing thing about it was this right here. See, Jacob got a new name. And his name went from Jacob to Israel. Jacob, who is a deceiver, to Israel. A prince who has power with God. A prince. A deceiver to a prince. Which one would you take? I would take the prince over the deceiver. You know something, as I think about it, what we need to understand is, is just on a theological sense, when we're saved... God saved me from a, whether it be a life of sin or from a life of sin, and He took me out of Adam's family, out of the, uh, this way, out of heading to a, a devil's hell, and He placed me in His family. He, he took and allowed me to represent Him and say that I'm a Christian, I'm a believer, I belong to God, I represent Him, and I'm His child. He is my Father. And what we need to understand is, we can say that Jacob had this new name, and it represented actually Something much more greater than that. But I want you to notice, as we keep going down, it says that Jacob, excuse me, in verse number 30, it says, And Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. Verse 31, And as he passed over Penuel, 
the sun rose upon him and he halted upon his thigh. You know what I find is interesting is that Jacob, the Bible says the sun rose up upon him. And I just think about it, that, that sun rising is, a, is an idea that all of those things are in the past. And, and as the sun rose up, a new day was dawning and he had a new beginning. See, God gave him a new name and God gave him a fresh start in the fact that he had a new beginning. And despite our failures, leave them where they belong in the past. Don't, don't bring them up. Satan brings them up. What we need to understand is when we allow God to work in our hearts and our lives, He wants to give us a fresh start, something new to look forward to, not to look behind us and to dwell in our past, but to realize when God deals with something, He deals with it to leave it where it is in the past so we can go forward. And I believe as we go into 2021, we need to set our affections, our focus on Him, moving forward on to what He has for us. And Jacob at this point is having a new day in his moment. A new walk, if we can think of it like that. You know what's amazing? It says right here that we find number three, and this is really the amazing thing that we find, is this, is that Jacob, in his name... Notice verse number 28. And he said, Thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men, and hast prevailed. See, he didn't just prevail with his flesh. He prevailed, it says, with God and with man. Now I want to ask you a question. Did he have to prevail against Esau? No. No. But God says, Jacob, you've prevailed not only with me, but with mankind in general. You know what that teaches us right here? That Jacob was worrying about a fight and a battle. That God says, Jacob, you're fighting it the wrong way. You're going about it the wrong way. You're worried about it because you don't have the understanding that you don't fight it. I'll help you. And see, the beautiful thing about this right here is that Jacob had something that was amazing to him, and it was a fresh power, something new, a new power that he hadn't had before. See, it's amazing. It's kind of ironic if you think about it. He had his strength taken, did he not? Yet God says that you've prevailed with me and you've prevailed with men. You have a new power that's not in yourself, your ability, but it's in my ability. It's in the fact that you prevail with God, not with how uh, how 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 uh, rough and ragtag you are. It's by this right here that we learn the, the 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 hardship of submission. When we learn to submit, that's how we prevail with God and with man. See, when we want something done in our lives, when we want God to fight a battle for us, when we want God to work in our hearts and our lives, in our churches and our families and our community, we have to learn to give it to God and submit to God and bow the knee to Him. And so what we find is, is Jacob learned at this point that he prevailed with God and with man. And in fact, you even find that the Lord promised Jacob in verse number 30 that his life is preserved, or Jacob said that his life is preserved. See, he learned something. And I believe this, verse 31, and it says, and he halted upon his thigh. Literally, he walked with a crippled limb on his thigh. In fact, in Hebrews, it talks about how he leaned upon his staff. I, I just think about as Jacob would walk with that crippled limp, with that staff, and I believe as he would be in pain, he would be reminded of that event that he, he occurred, that, that happened with him back at this moment right here in Peniel. 
I believe he would be reminded as he would be in pain, as he would take a step, he would be reminded, the Lord broke me that day so he could bless me and do something in my life. And he did bless me. He changed me. I was this, but God did this in my life. And see, I believe this. This represents not, not just salvation, though you can say that, but I believe it's going further in our Christian life than saying, God, you've saved me, you've done that, and great. I believe this is talking about where we get to the point where we say, God, there's more in the Christian life than just you saving my soul. I want you to do something in my heart and my life and change my life for the better, for your, for your name's sake. As Jacob's reminded by that, 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 that thigh, that injury that he had gotten from the Lord, he was reminded not to lean on his own strength, not to lean on his own self, but to learn to lean on Him. And it would do us some good going into 2021 if we would learn to lean on Him, learn to lean wholeheartedly on Him in whatever situation it is. Because here's the situation we need to learn. We're not the one riding the horse. We are the horse. We're the ones that say, God, I'm not the ones with the reins. You take the reins. And I believe this, if we would learn that, we would see some beautiful things happen in our lives, in our, in our homes, in our churches. We would see God do some great things because power comes to those that surrender their lives. You say, how is that? I'll give you a verse of Scripture to illustrate it this way. The Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse number 8, I believe it is, he says, and For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me the thorn in his flesh, and it says, verse number 9, And He said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Paul said, Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. See, strength came to Paul in the New Testament. What? Through weakness. Through his infirmities, his weakness, his ailments, his, his fact that he understood that God allowed him to be placed in a moment of weakness and despair so God could be strong in His life and through His life. See, power came through weakness. And we can either let God make us weak or we can realize truly how weak and desperate we are. So I want to ask you this evening, has God broken you in some form or some fashion? And maybe He has, maybe He hasn't. I believe God constantly is wanting to work in our hearts and our lives and do something to help us. And He wants to work through us, but friends, we have to realize He has to be the one in control. So as we stand to our feet, I want us to do something as we get ready and close. I want us to ask the Lord to help us in this area. We'll just take a moment of silence. And I want us to ask the Lord to work in our hearts as we even think and meditate further on this. Because I believe the Lord wants to work in our lives and He wants to do something, but we have to realize that God wants to break us so He can bless us. Father, as we come to You, Lord, we thank You for Your goodness. Father, we thank You for Your mercy and Your grace. And Father, we ask You to help us now to apply the truth that we've heard in Your, in your Scripture, in our heart and our lives, that we may honor and glorify You. And Lord, we love You. Father, we praise You and we thank You, for we do ask it in Your Son's precious and holy name. Amen. All right. We're dismissed. Oh, unless, Brother Steve, you got anything?